When you think about Black pilots, the Bessie Coleman probably comes to mind. You see Bessie Coleman drive as you're headed into O'Hare Airport, and she's the namesake for Coleman Library in Woodlawn. She was the first Black woman to get her pilot's license. She was well-known for taking part in daring air shows, and she spent her short adulthood here in Chicago. So not only is she a major part of American history, she started a Black aviation movement that took root right here at home. Because she was both Black and a woman, she had to get that license in France. She dreamed of opening up her own aviation school, but she died in a plane crash at the age of 34. She didn't die in vain, though. Bessie Coleman ushered in a wave of Black people who weren't just pilots, but who changed the face of Black aviation. And they did so here in Chicago. Two Black pilots played a major role when they opened up the very first Black-owned airport in the far south suburb of Robbins, Illinois. It led Curious City listener Floyd Webb to ask, what happened to that first Black-owned airport in Robbins? And did one of its pilots really go to Ethiopia and start the Ethiopian Air Force and its commercial airlines? This is stuff I, I learned when I was a kid, right? I was, like any kid, you know, you get fascinated by rockets and airplanes and things, but I used to walk downtown when I was a kid, like about 1958, we used to walk to the museum. I lived on 22nd and State Street. And there was a Curtis Wright Aviation, there was an aviation school there. You know, and I talked to some of the old guys in the neighborhood when I was running around. And they started telling me all these stories about black pilots that you don't hear today. Floyd is a filmmaker who grew up in the Harold L. Ickes homes. He left the city at 20 to explore the world, living and working in many countries. He remembers hearing about the legendary black pilots from the 30s and 40s, and he wanted to find someone who may have known them. To him, black aviation is not just interesting, but it's an essential part of the black American story. You know, I mean, flight was, you know, like every, every decade of the 20th century, we had Black men and women who were involved in technology of some kind, whether it was film or aviation, we are solidly part of the history of technology in the world, if not in America, you know, not just in America, but in the world. But that's not the image that we're taught, you know what I mean? But this is our reality. And we don't really talk about this reality enough. There were, you know, there was like Black people in the South Side making their own cars. And this technology actually has an important role in Black aviation. The two men who are credited with making the Robbins Airport happen, Cornelius Coffey and John Robinson. They were two highly skilled mechanics who met and immediately realized they both loved aviation. I'm Ariane Nettles, and we're going to look at the Black people who built an entire world of aviation right here in Chicago. They were reading, literally reading the newspaper saying that Bessie Coleman had just crashed, died in a crash. They wanted to continue what Bessie Coleman started. That's coming up next.
Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Because of Bessie Coleman, Chicago was a special place for aviation. It wasn't just a city with history, though. It became a home for the burgeoning Black aviation community, a space of opportunity, of exploration. And this was key. Dorothy Cochran is the curator for general aviation in the aeronautics department of the National Air and Space Museum. She says Chicago was one of the main cities where groups of Black pilots and people who wanted to be pilots would connect. African-Americans were always interested in flying and were always capable of flying. They were just blocked, you know, the discrimination, just they did not have access. There were two cities where that interest was especially strong, Los Angeles and Chicago. And that was because they had strong leadership leadership like Cornelius Coffey and John Robinson in Chicago and William Powell in L.A. But Powell had some Chicago ties, too. He may be known for building his own aviation legacy in Los Angeles, but he was a World War I veteran who was a successful gas station owner in Chicago before he moved out west in 1928 to go to aviation school. They just said, you know, we remember Bessie, You know, she was from Chicago, and it just gelled that there were enough people then who joined the group. That's just why Chicago stands out is because Coffee Robinson and these others got together and said, you know, we want to join in. And then out in Los Angeles, a gentleman named William Powell did the same. You know, you have to get those people who are the catalysts. And uh, then other people come along and, and they all work together to make it happen. In Los Angeles, Powell created the Bessie Coleman Flying Club in 1929. And in Chicago, Robinson spearheaded the Challenger Air Pilots Association in 1931. The pilots from these two clubs started doing demonstration flights that they they were doing transcontinental flights. They uh, one group flew to the Caribbean, one flew group flew to um, Washington, D.C. to lobby for African-Americans to be included in military aviation. That was the group from Chicago. More about their lobbying later. So there's actually a lot that these folks did. And to help answer Floyd's questions, I needed someone who'd heard a lot of these stories himself. Someone who could share more about the determination Cornelius Coffey and John Robinson had to have to build a Black-owned airport. Someone who knew about what they'd done for Black military pilots here in the U.S. and in Ethiopia. I found there was only one source that knew all these details. My name is Tyrone Haymore, Tyrone C. Haymore, and uh, I am the the current director and uh, executive officer of the Robbins History Museum in Robbins, Illinois. 
When you walk around the museum with Tyrone Haymore, there's not a photo, not a uniform, not a model airplane that he doesn't know the story of, likely because he acquired it himself. And the area's legacy of black aviation is a definite highlight. Okay, yeah, well, that's the thing that, that really is propelling Robin's history is that we had the, the first black airport that was ever built by black people in this country was built by those two men there, John C. Robinson and Cornelius Coffey, with the help of two women, Willa Brown and Janet Harmon Braggs. Those four people built the Robbins Airport in 1931. Haymore says, legend has it, the two men met in the garage of a black doctor in Detroit, where Cornelius Coffey was working as the doctor's mechanic. They started talking and realized they both had a love for aviation. They read that Bessie Coleman had died in a crash, and they wanted to continue her legacy in Chicago. In fact, these guys not only made history by building the first airport, before they built the first black airport in this country, they had to learn how to fly themselves at the Curtis Wright Aeronautical University in Chicago, which refused to train them because they were black. Aviation school didn't accept black students, but Haymore says the two were determined to learn. They bought a kit to build an airplane for $300, even though they couldn't afford to buy an engine. Instead, they rebuilt a motorcycle engine. They convinced an instructor at the school to come out to Washington Park and see the plane they built. The instructor was really impressed, and the school was afraid they'd be sued for discrimination. So they said, well, get them in here. If they agree to do this, what we'll do, we'll accept them, but we can't mix them with the white students in the school. We'll give them private lessons at night up on the seventh floor. So that's what they did. Cornelius Coffey and John Robinson also found Willa Brown and Janet Harmon Bragg. These women had remarkable aviation careers that could rival any of their peers. In 1934... Bragg became the first black woman to earn a commercial license, the kind of license that lets pilots do business with an airplane. And Brown was not far behind. She earned her pilot's license in 1938 and her commercial license in 1939, making her the first black woman to get both. Tyrone Haymore says these four made up the core group that built the Robbins Airport and he got the chance to hear all of these stories from Cornelius Coffey himself. I knew him personally for the last eight years of his life. And he was here in Robbins. He took me over to the airport, to the Robbins, Robbins spot here in Robbins, where the airport was, and I have a map here of it. He pulls out a table-sized map of the area where the airport used to be. And the hangar was right here where this exit is. This is where the hangar was. And you can see how they had cleared the land. You see that dark spot area there? They had cleared all this land for the Robbins Airport. The first hangar was there. But in 1933, a violent windstorm hit this area of Robbins and completely tore up the hangar. And the two airplanes they had in there were demolished. Tyrone Haymore says the group planned to rebuild the airport after it was demolished, but got talked out of it by the owners of another local airport on 87th and Harlem Avenue in what is now suburban Bridgeview. The owners of the Harlem Airport gave them a free hangar for their airplanes, so that became their new home base. It's where they would teach other Black people how to fly. But as they continued on their mission, 
they each set their sights on different goals. Both will become heroes, but Cornelius Coffey will continue to do most of his work here in Chicago, while John Robinson would head to Ethiopia. More on that coming up next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Long after the airport, Cornelius Coffey continued to train future pilots as overall interest in aviation in Chicago grew, but also as the need for trained pilots in the country expanded. In 1939, the Challenger Air Pilots Association expanded its name and its reach to become the National Airman's Association. Tyrone Haymore of the Robbins History Museum says the original name was the National Negro Airmen's Association, but then-Senator Harry Truman encouraged them to drop Negro from the name. The timing allowed the group to submit their own proposal to get funding to train more black pilots. World War II was getting ready to start up. That's what it was, World War II. They knew they needed to do a recruitment of new pilots to train, and the government was opening it up, so... Coffee and Will said, well, we got an aviation program. Let's put in our bid for, for black pilots. As a senator, Harry Truman had a huge interest in aviation, defense, and transportation. A year before, he helped pass the Civil Aeronautics Act of 1938. So two of the group's pilots flew an old airplane to D.C. to argue for black inclusion in aviation training. It was called the Goodwill Flight. Haymore says just getting to D.C., impressed Senator Truman. He said, you got to be damn good pilots in order to fly something that raggedy. And, and, they, didn't, and they didn't barely have enough money for the fuel. But they flew there. Out of the seven civilian pilot programs around the country to train black pilots, theirs was the only one not on a college campus. Cornelius Coffey became known as the man who trained many of the famed Tuskegee Airmen, and the Smithsonian estimates he trained over 1,000 people at the Coffey School of Aeronautics. In addition to training, Coffey also was known for his work on the planes themselves. Remember, he was a master mechanic. And Cornelius Coffey also invented a part for the airplane that never existed, and it was very important. It was called the carburetor heater. In the early days of aviation, they would fly airplanes, small airplanes, with no heat inside the cockpit. This innovation changed how and when people could fly airplanes. But more importantly, they never developed a way to keep planes from falling out the sky when their gas line would freeze in the air. Many pilots have lost their lives trying to fly small airplanes in the wintertime, and their gas line would freeze on them in midair. It was Cornelius Coffey who solved that problem. He invented what is called the carburetor heater for airplanes. And now you can fly any time you want, winter, spring, summer, or fall. 
John Robinson also left a huge mark in the U.S. He convinced his alma mater, Tuskegee University, to create a pilot program. This gave him the nickname Father of the Tuskegee Airmen. But he might be most famous for his work in Ethiopia. Ethiopia took notice of the work that both Cornelius Coffee and John Robinson were doing in Chicago and invited them to come help train their pilots. Coffey decided to continue his focus on training black people to be eligible for the U.S. military. But Robinson answered the call. At the time, Ethiopia was only one of two African countries not colonized by European rule. So in 1935, Robinson headed there during the Italian invasion. Robinson went and he immediately began setting up a program to start teaching Ethiopians how to fly airplanes and to defend themselves. But though they had very old, outdated airplanes, and they didn't have but a few to begin with, the Italians knew that. They came in there with over 500 brand new airplanes, and they literally, they, they conquered the country. And they took over for a number of years. Although Italy succeeded, it was not without a valiant effort from John Robinson. He became known as the Brown Condor of Ethiopia. Robinson did his best, and there was a, it was recorded, too, that Robinson actually was running reconnaissance missions for the emperor of Ethiopia to give them information on how the Italian troops were advancing toward Ethiopia. And in these missions, Robinson was extremely skilled. He had a talent that helped him even when he was outnumbered. In one story, he was surrounded by Italian planes, which were loaded with ammunition. It was his skill that saved his life. He did what they call a free fall. He knew he couldn't, his plane was too slow to get down to the ground. So in order to get down faster, he literally cut the engine off and just did a free fall. But he had to restart it when he got close enough down, and he managed to do that. But he was able to get away, he, but they shot him. He, he was shot and was able to land the plane and get out of it. John Robinson went back to the United States after this incident. But when Ethiopia regained its independence in 1944, he returned. It was there where he continued to work, to innovate, and of course, to fly, until his death at 50 years old from injuries sustained in a plane crash. They reestablished Ethiopia, and Robinson became the chief aviation expert in the whole country. And they began to build what is now the Ethiopian Airlines, which is the biggest African airline in all of Africa. Coming back to our question asker Floyd Webb, he sees the importance of all these connections. He even thinks about Star Trek actor Nichelle Nichols. She was among the first black Americans to have a lead role on TV. She helped NASA recruit astronauts of color, and as a Robbins native, she's displayed prominently in the Robbins History Museum, along with the many black pilots whose photos line the museum's walls. That was her mission, you know? So, so it all hooks into, you know what I mean? There's, there's this whole thing with the Chicago connection that goes, you know, that, that goes from, you know, goes from the history of aviation into Afrofuturism with Nichelle Nichols and Star Trek, plus the astronauts that are from here, you know? There's an astronaut was, was like, uh, was born on my block, but he never went into flight. That was Robert H. Lawrence. He was actually the first black astronaut he died in a jet crash in 1967, 
working as an instructor in the space shuttle program. When I talk about Afrofuturism, right, I talk about Afrofuturism is the imagined amplified to the point that it impinges itself into reality. Floyd says we dream these things in order to transcend our actual realities. And so it's not surprising then that there is a direct line from Black aviation to Black astronauts and Black science innovations that are still yet to come. Curious City is a production of WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. This show is produced by Jason Mark and Joe Dassault. Adriana Cardona-McGigod is Curious City's reporter. Maggie Civit is the digital and engagement producer. Suzyan edits the show. I'm Ariane Nettles. Thanks for listening. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.